Welcome to the Teach Amazing Podcast. I'm Neil, and in this podcast we're going to introduce you to amazing schools from around the world. So if you're an educator looking for something more, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to another episode of the Teach Amazing Podcast. Today we're really lucky to be meeting two uh, educators that are at the forefront of international education. Um, Marta Medved is the head of school at the, the uh, Western Academy Beijing, and she's joined by Stephen Taylor, who is in charge of curriculum development. And our conversation has been one that was really wide-reaching and, and totally inspiring. Stephen and Marta talked eloquently about their program, about their school, and their passion for education is evident in everything they say and do. And I must say, uh, the program that they offer to their students sounds incredibly impressive. And if you're an educator wanting to work in, in China, then this must be a school that you should be seriously considering. So let's get to it. So let's get started. So tell us a bit about yourselves. So my name is Marta Medved Krajnovic. I'm originally from Croatia and I've been in education for my for my whole life. Yeah. Um, originally, I'm a teacher of uh, foreign languages, uh, but I worked the first 15 years of my career. I worked in a university setting as a researcher and university professor in the field of uh, language acquisition. And okay. then uh, because of my husband's work, we lived all over the world and my kids started uh, attending international schools. And throughout that, I just developed such a love for the international schools, uh, education, educational models, the ability to change, rethink how we uh, learn and how we teach. So my heart kind of drifted towards international education. And for the last uh, eight years, eight to nine years, I've been a head of school, first in Stockholm, in Sweden, uh, a director of Stockholm International School. And now here, this is my first fifth year of uh, being a head of school here at WAP. Wonderful. And Stephen? Uh, so I'm Stephen Taylor. I'm the Director of Innovation in Learning and Teaching here. Um, I'm originally from the UK, but um, I left my home in the northwest of England when I was 18. Um, I studied marine science in, in Northern Ireland. Um, right. And from there, spent eight years or so in Indonesia. Um, I trained in Exeter in the UK. And um, then we came to or we went to Japan in 2011 with our two small kids and then here to WAB in 2018. And uh, so it's been about 17 years in IB schools um, and doing this type of role in the last couple of schools. It's really exciting journey. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very interesting time in the world right now and in international schools. So there's, there's a lot for us to do. Uh, and Marta, maybe give us a quick picture of the, uh, the school. If you could capture it in a few sentences, how would you describe? So um, it's a pretty unique school, I would say, in the, in the international school context, established um, 20, 28 years ago, um, 28, 29, when actually uh, China started opening to the, to the world and when the expert population in Beijing increased. So established as a school for children of foreign nationals. And, um, and I'm stressing this because it's quite different from international schools in general in, in China. Um, and um, it's 
started uh, as a as a school really focused on on core values and an interesting thing why i say it's very special it's these core values have not changed for the last 20 28 years so uh we are still you know everything we do is in order to better realize those core core values and live the core values also our mission uh connect inspire challenge make a difference uh has been with the school for the last 15 years or, or so. And again, uh, we had strategic planning ideation uh, last um, last year and no one wanted to change our uh, core values and um, and uh, mission. So it means, you know, it's the school that still, you know, firmly believes uh, the way how we were set up uh, and uh, what we wanted to achieve in the 90s we still want to achieve it today, only the world has changed. And maybe the ways how we are doing it have, have changed. So. Let's learn more about this Teach Amazing School. So can you tell us a little bit about your physical location and your facilities, uh, please? Yeah, I mean, we're very fortunate here at WAB that we have a beautiful campus. Um, it's quite a large open campus in the city of Beijing. Um, it's unique, I think, in that way for the place to be so, so nice, right? We have a lake that runs through the middle of the campus. Um, the campus was like purposefully designed from the beginning to, to include um, kind of curved lines and open spaces and lots of nods to Chinese architecture and culture. It's a very bright, vibrant place. There's a lot of places where you can see kids playing. Um, we have three... Uh, school buildings that have our ES, our MS, and our HS, as well as a right. specialist early learning center for the early childhood students. Um, and that has its own section and it even has a beautiful playground with a section of the Great Wall built into it. Um, we also have uh, hub and link facilities that have lots of um, sports facilities, the arts, a theater. Um, across the campus, there's lots of green space. There's Tiger Field, which is a huge... Um, sports field we've got multiple gyms across the campus a swimming pool um a, a lot of work's been done in the last sort of five years in particular to to really redesign learning spaces so right. at the beginning of some of the flow work and what came out of that engaging roseanne bosch an educational um an education focused architect to help really design right. some futuristic learning spaces like our um, maths space in the middle school and um uh, middle uh, high school sorry um, library learning commons with the design space in it. And then every year from there, the school just keeps on renovating and rejuvenating spaces to better suit learning based on what we've, what we've learned along the way. Um, the, the facilities that are within those spaces are really good too. Like our educational technologies that go along with them, um, are really well supported. The furniture is very flexible. Uh, there's sure. lots of writable spaces for students and everywhere there's a place where kids can be working together or places where kids can be kind of quiet in little huts or or um kind of booths and things around the working spaces too so i mean it's a it's a campus that you really need to see to believe that this is the kind of thing that you could have as a school i know when we bring people for the first time uh they're amazed at what they see and i remember my first time seeing the campus my mind was blown and then you know five years later it's it's so many steps forwards um yeah. and then you know, there are times too where we really have the students have a say in the shaping of the campus and the spaces. Right. Our middle school kids helping to design the middle school playground when they 
that when they saw the need that they needed more activity and they needed an open space and a place to be excited, um, that turned into a huge outdoor project for our middle school. It's, it's a pretty special building, uh, set of buildings and a pretty special set of grounds to be on. Fantastic. Sounds wonderful. If I can just, just add, you know, there was one, uh, of our graduates actually, um, last year, she described a bit, you know, like, uh, about campus and she's been one of those students who have been with, at WAB for almost since the start of his, of her, you know, uh, schooling age. And she said it was like a fairy tale campus for, right. for her. And it, it is a bit of, of that. You come and you won't be, you can't believe that a school campus could, can look so, so beautiful and look really like a, a combination of a park, of a home, of a school at the same time. It's, it's really something special. Wonderful, wonderful. And physically, where are you located in Beijing? Are you close to the airport? Are you, where, where are you uh, in the city? So we are, so Be Beijing has the rings around as many cities, you know, around it. And um, let's say the ring two is a core city center. We are just, just out of ring uh, five, actually very close to uh, Beijing uh, International Airport. Right. Okay. So it, quite easily yeah. accessible um, yeah. from that, that perspective. Um, yeah, we're, about, we're about 15 oh. minutes to the airport, about 15, 20 minutes to the airport, moving north from us or moving out sort of from us, and about 30 minutes into the town centre. Okay. Yeah. It depends on traffic though, right? Yeah, yes. sure. Always, always, always. Um, you mentioned the, the school's mission. Uh, and Stephen, you talked about the uh, the facilities, and I guess they are an extension of that mission. Mm -hmm. uh, could you talk a little bit about living the mission? First of all, what is the mission? And then uh, the kind of ways that you live the mission at the school and, and, and what how that manifests itself. Yeah, I mean, Marta mentioned before the kind of core line in our mission is to connect, inspire, challenge and make a difference. But it's actually a multi-layered mission under site underneath that there are more elements to it um, in our mission diagram in the mission logo you can see everything's been purposefully designed um, to represent the ways in which oh it's behind Marta there on the on the there picture. It is. to represent how the learning community works together that gong her spirits of people coming together to work hard and, and learn forwards um so this this really is language that's lived at web you know, we use right. it a lot in all different types of settings in the ways we work with kids and the ways we work with the community um, through the strategic planning process. It was really something that was affirmed strongly, um, like alongside the mission, there's our philosophies too. that web includes the parents, web champions, its staff, um, and that we have uh, that we, we think about the whole student learning, right? That this whole learning experience that, that we have. Um, and then we have core values as well. And like Marta mentioned, those core values have been around since pretty much the very beginning of web. And I think something that, that has helped it be timeless is that the types of things that web has really been working on since the beginning, it's almost like the rest of the schools like this are, start, are really working towards that now too. So it is yeah. quite transferable, but it is uniquely web. Um, and there's very strong characters there of what makes us us. Um, the idea that's in one of in the core values around China global coherence too is that that idea that as an international school we learn where we are so that we can look outside. You know we kind of think global, act local, and think local, sure. and 
and reflect global, global too. And it's really interesting that all of these things do connect. Um, we also have a very powerful definition of learning and we use that definition of learning also a lot um, in what we do. And our definition of learning is that we believe that learning, um, learning at WAB is an intentional iterative process, right? It's challenging and it's joyful and it serves an authentic purpose. And we wanted to make sure, and this, this was developed before either of us arrived, but we use it really heavily in the work that we do now. We want to make sure that people find the joy in learning here, but they're also challenged that there is a purpose that it does kind of develop as it goes along. Um, this is a special place and the mission and the core values, the definition, they, this is home Wonderful. for people, right? And it has to yeah. be the right place. They be happy when they're here, Indeed. challenged and successful as they get through here too. And Marcia, from your perspective? I mean, you know, it's, um, I do believe that people choose to come to WAB because of, of our mission and our core values. We are very intentional, for example, you know, in the hiring process uh, to very clearly say what type of school, school we are. And people already applying to us, I mean, of course, they looked at our website and so on. They actually, and if they are really eager to work in a school such as, such as WAB, you know, where, and I would say, our definition of, of learning uh, is um, an equally strong attracting point for the for the educators as, as our mission and, and core uh, values. And it's interesting, you know, throughout the interviewing process for the new new teachers, we we both kind of both the teachers and, and, and us hiring, you know, we are trying to verify is this person the right fit for, for WAB or is WAB the right fit uh, for the school? Of course. And, uh, the best thing is, you know, when people then finally come to to WAB, they really feel, you know, that what they've heard during the interviews and so on is really true. That we are we are living the the mission and our core values and the educational philosophy, our definition of learning, you know, the whole guiding statement package. And you know, as as oh. a new yeah, you know, if you come as, as a new leader, yeah, who won? Who owns the school? How is it governed? How does that work? So that's also interesting. So um, I mentioned that uh, WAB was established when um, China started opening to the world and more expat uh, uh, population came, came to China. There was one true international school um, in Beijing before the uh, 90s. It was International School of Beijing that was um, set up mostly by the, by the embassies and, and so on. And um, it, there wasn't enough space anymore in, in, in that school. And um, the, so the students that they started accepting were mostly native speakers uh, of, of English. So right. then a group of educators that actually wanted to open the doors, or not educators, actually parents, that wanted to find a school where also students who don't have English as, as a first language will, you know, will be able to be admitted and so on. So this, this group of people actually founded WAB. So right. WAB has had from the very beginnings uh, very strong um, European, let's say, population in it. One of some of the first companies that established, uh, helped establish or donated to the establishment of WAB were uh, European companies. So right. I would say a group of enthusiastic companies and educators. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, sorry, I now lost. No, you lost sorry. us? I lost pictures of everyone. Can you okay. still hear me? We can Maybe still we hear you. Started. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think I've lost pictures of you two too. I think maybe our bandwidth is restricting the incoming video. Neil, can you see yeah. us both? I can see you really well, um, honestly. Mm. Uh, so I think we're okay. Um, I'll cut this piece out. We'll just carry on, uh, and they'll 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 chop it. They'll edit it. Um, so so, uh, so right now, how how does that organize right now then? So some of the some of the founding uh, parents, professionals, uh, they are still actually very closely connected to to WAB, and two right. of, of the founders are still on the, on the WAB board. Okay. Um, however, um, I would really say that um, the role of the of the founders is um, is equal to the role of the rest of the board members, and oh. all of our um, except for the founders. All of our other board members have um, originally been elected by the parent community. And then after right. they get elected by the, by the parent community, then there is a possibility for the board itself, itself to appoint two board members to continue. And then uh, the, um, the founders can also appoint some, some board members to, uh, to continue. So in a way, uh, right now, the structure is, you know, that every, uh, every year we get and one new parent elected uh, board member that then actually feeds into this pool of only seven actually board board members in total. So it's not a it's not a big board no. uh, that again originally were parent elected, but then became you know board appointed and and uh, or founder appointed. Uh, the key thing or the key brief that is given to the board members is when they come in is that they do not represent any constituency. So if you are right. parent ele elected, you are not there to speak for the parents, but you you speak for the school. So you look at you know at the board at the at the school uh, core values, guiding statements, and uh, at the school strategy, and you make all the decisions from from that perspective and not from what you know per, a certain constituency in our school uh, would like to hear. We also have uh, at, uh, on the board as non-voting members, but present in all discussions, uh, teaching staff representative and staff representative that um, staff and teaching staff elect themselves. Okay, and is it for-profit or is it not-for-profit? It's not, not for profit. So um, not all, all of the board members, including the founders, they are uh, voluntary members. Right. And uh, basically at WAB, everything that, that we, uh, you know, get from the from the tuition gets reinvested uh, into education, uh, into professional development of staff, and of course into into our buildings and our our stability. So Wabi is right. a very very well governed, very well financially uh, led. So it's a it's a very stable school, which you know in the current situation where a lot of schools like. Um, uh, due to COVID and other reasons, are uh, really living through quite tumultuous times. Wab is oh. doing still quite well. Wonderful. And yeah, it makes, know, it makes out of really that, big... uh, the strategic objectives of the school, uh, where are they right now? Uh, what are you looking forwards to um, uh, in terms of strategy? So last um, year, we were working on really, really starting halfway through the COVID work uh, impact at our school. We sure. were also heading into the end of the last strategic planning phase for WAB. And it was time really to, to reflect on what we'd done and think about what was happening in the world. 
So we've just renewed the strategic plan last year using a process that we were leading, but really with a student-led element to it. Um, very strongly putting the students in the driving seats of what's next for web. Uh, through that process, we trained up kids using different protocols and different ways of thinking to lead all different groups across the school in reflection. Uh, that included parents, uh, board members, uh, faculty, their peers across the school um, into thinking about where we are in the world, reflecting on things like our, our guiding statements, um, learning about how education might be changing from some of our external and supporting agencies. Um, and then using a, um, a portraiture approach to capture as many images of what the web alumni of the future should be right. thinking about, talking about, doing, feeling, yeah? Then, then we captured all that together, visualized the data and did another round of workshops led by the students on data analysis and surfacing what were the things that we wanted to affirm? What, what were the things that we needed to amplify? And what were the new areas of focus that we needed to create? And very much affirmation was around who we are and those guiding statements. And then the amplification was really our continued work on innovation, well-being, developing um, kind of young global leaders who are inclusive um, and working further on the Flow 21 targets, that kind of innovative side of, of learning at Web. Uh, but what emerged new from that very strongly across the whole community were two new areas of focus. Uh, one of them being um, inclusion through diversity, equity, anti-racism and social justice or the DEIJ related work. Yep. And the other being um, sustainability and particularly environmental sustainability. So as we confirmed all of that through workshops and, and with the board last year, now we're in a phase where we have actually steering committees on each side. And that included the hiring and the appointment of stipended lead teachers for each of those roles in each of the school sections. Um, right. And those steering committees also involve parents, board members, leadership team members, and kids. And in all of the actions that we take moving forwards, we wanna make sure that students are really there, they're present, they're making and helping to make the decisions and showing what the actions can be. So right. now we're in the kind of do-do-do phase that where these teams are really working on, on where do we go next? What are the sure. definitions we need? We're about to head okay. into a sustainability audit um, and all kinds of things alongside um, our accreditation work. Yeah. Fantastic. And yeah. you know, you're an IB school. How does that manifest itself uh, in combination with this picture? Oh, there's, a, there's a very high congruence between web's uh, guiding statements and the IB's um, mission and the work that the IB does. Um, we're a three program IB world school um, and we do more and more think of ourselves as a whole school. Um, the aims and objectives of the IB programs, if you were to fully realize what they could be, that's what we're trying to work towards. So it's very much in alignment. You know, um, We recently signed the United Nations Global Schools Pledge as well. And you can, and that's very strongly connected also to the IB. And so the work that we're doing is, is in very much in alignment with the work of the other agencies. Um, it's, it's great to be in a three program IB world school that is trying to make a difference in this way. Um, sure. To think about what's possible within and around those frameworks and to use that and to sort of test out ideas and also kind of work with other schools too. 
Um, so it's very aligned, very aligned. And maybe just to add to that alignment, you know, when you maybe listen to uh, what we are saying now and everything that is happening, uh, happening at WAP, but we are being very intentional, uh, which sometimes, you know, you, it, it doesn't happen always, often, you know, you might have in, in schools, you know, that I've been, you know, present and leading and so on, you have, you might have, you know, a strategy, which is mostly the board strategy, then you can have an educational strategy, then you have demands of the accreditation agencies and so on. You have the wishes of the educators in the school. And sometimes all of these things might not be in sync. So what we are really purposefully doing at WAB is connecting all the dots. So our, you know, our board is fully behind our, our strategy. They were a big part together with the students, with, you know, with, uh, with the parents, teachers in its uh, ideation and, and development. So uh, they are, and our strategy is very much connected to the, not only, it's, it's to, to actually, not only to the school sustainability goals, but also, you know, to the whole educational uh, goals. Our um, reaccreditation process, uh, which both we are we are currently being reaccredited, reauthorized by NIESC and uh, IB, and then also by CIS, and right. both uh, for with both agencies or all three agencies, we are actually uh, have embarked upon their uh, most innovative protocols, and in a way, partly are shaping those protocols together with uh, with the agencies. And our protocols right. also are very much focused on, or actually these agencies' protocols are, or accreditation, new accreditation processes are so much focused on quality teaching and learning and impact that it is uh, having, as well on the sustainability side and uh, inclusion side, uh, global citizenship, intercultural learning. So in a way, you know, we are really connecting all of these, these processes so that it looks as one coherent, uh, then also, you know, connected with, with our uh, core values, one coherent way in looking how and what WAB should be doing today and in the, in the future. Right. And you mentioned that the school had a sort of European background or focus. Uh, what does the student body look like now? So uh, right now we have um, about, uh, so the in our constitution, uh, we should not be having more than 20% of any, any nationality. We okay. look at, at, uh, at our uh, applicant's passport, we, but we also look at their cultural identity, at their ethnicity, at the languages spoken at home and so on. And we really, one of our uh, key defining features is diversity. So we really try to that, that that diversity is reflected in our student body. So we have right now around um, 20 percent of um, U.S. passport holders. Around um, um, around let's say between fifteen and twenty percent of Greater China. That includes Hong Kong, Taiwan, Macau pa passport holders. Uh, we have uh, then the next population is Koreans, and then it's mm -hmm. Europeans. Uh, okay. So. It's the, and then the rest of the of the world. So still very very diverse uh, diverse school. What I I mentioned at the very beginning, and I think that's important for the for the educators uh, who will be watching this, you know, listening to this sure. podcast to know, uh, WAB license is children for schools of foreign nationals, which right. means that we we cannot accept uh, students who uh, who are Chinese with Chinese Chinese passport. Uh, this also means that uh, our 
program that we are running, our curriculum is IB curriculum with no interference from uh, from Chinese national curriculum, which is something that is happening in most right now in most international schools in China uh, that also can uh, can enroll Chinese citizens. So a lot of lot of educators applying for schools in China do not feel fully realize that uh, that distinction. Um, so and it's, it's important to know whether you will be teaching uh, in a school where you will be co-teaching with your Chinese colleagues and also have sure. to balance international curriculum with national curriculum, or you will be teaching in schools, um, you know, for children of foreign nationals where it is uh, uh, exclusively international curriculum. And both are both are fine. It just depends on the educators' preferences, what they would, what kind of adventure in China they would like to have. And Stephen, um, uh, the student body as learners, how would you describe them? The best I've ever worked with. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a, what, there's, I don't know. There's a vibe here, right? There's a feeling that's quite special, and and people talk about it. And then you have to be here to understand. You know, we have about fifty nationalities of kids. We're also a very inclusive school, so um, we provide all the supports that we can. We have a student support matrix. Um, we have an inclusive IB diploma approach, so we don't cap entry. Um, we don't have entry requirements. We, we believe strongly sure. that this is a place where all students should be able to thrive and that we do our best to put the students at the center. And if they're willing to give it a go, we support them through that as a school. Um, we have alternate pathways for students and we have really fantastic experiences. And I think what that helps do is bring that community, that gong her spirit that's one of our core values is kind of work hard, work together. Um, they're really lovely kids here. Right. And they're very inclusive of each other. They stand up for each other. Um, you know, in some places you might find behavior or uh, social groups that might be quite cliquey. And that's much less of an issue here. You know, you have students who are the, the top athlete and they're in the coding club and they're helping their younger, you know, their younger peers in learning and they're doing other types of things. And it's it's much less of the boundaries around who you can be here. Um, we have a huge number of student service clubs, especially across the high school and others in the middle school, students who want to take action and, and, and talk about and act on what they believe to be right. Um, so it's, it's really also, nice. Sorry. No? Sorry, Sim. And, also, yeah. and they, you, they, they, you could identify uh, things that you would like the school to improve at, uh, what would they be? I would say, you know, uh, just continuing on uh, with our set direction and being better, better at uh, better at it. So, in a way, uh, what we so student voice has been very present at at WAB for a long for a long time. Uh, as Stephen said, you know, student student feel included. They they um, they support each other. Uh, and we intentionally try to include them more and more in, in the, into the process, in the processes where normally students would not maybe be that much included, you know, not only in kind of leading the, let's say, strategic planning processes, but also then through the implementation of, of that process. So just right. really finding the ways how to meaningfully do that more and then really finding the ways how we can prove that uh, whatever we are doing is having a true impact on student learning. And at the same time, then afterwards, those students who 
have been impacted, let's say, by learning and teaching at WAP, that they are then impacting their communities, their local community, their global community. So what we are working very closely with the, our accrediting agencies on is really trying to find the best ways to, to capture and measure impact. And measures you know, can, doesn't, don't have to be numerical measures. It can be stories the students are, are telling, stories that sure. we, we see happening every, every day. So I would say that focus on, on, on impact and really uh, seeing that the learning and teaching at WAB is having the effect that we hope it, it is having. Find out about the teachers and the team. But tell us a bit about your faculty. How many are, people are in the faculty? You know, uh, where do they come from? That kind of information. So we have around 200, close to 200 uh, teachers. Uh, right. Our teacher-student ratio is, um, is, I would say, a bit of a dream scenario for, uh, for education. Right now is uh, one teacher per six students when you include right. all these support teachers and, um, and so on. Uh, most of our teachers um, used to come, actually, I would say, from the um, you know key English-speaking countries: U.S., uh, uh, U.K., Canada, New Zealand, Australia. Sure. Uh, and that is still still the case. Uh, although we have, um, especially in high school, uh, we have also quite a number of teachers from from other uh, nationalities. And why, why I say in high school is because China has the laws that for the uh, elementary school, uh, so non-specialist uh, positions, you right. uh, you need to hire uh, teachers from the uh, English-speaking countries. Okay. Uh, so what we've done, because of uh, still existing COVID restrictions in uh, in China, uh, last year, year, we focused primarily in hiring educators, international educators that were already um, working in China. And Understood. in a way, you know, different schools can employ different types of educators, uh, you know, in terms of, let's say, national backgrounds and so on. So that actually allow, and once they're in China, it's easier for us to em em uh, employ them. So I would say last year, it was probably the most diverse cohort that we, we hired. We hired... Um, very vast range of teachers in terms of, you know, their uh, age, their experiences, but all of them fantastic educators and really uh, focused on the type of education that WAB is, uh, WAB is doing. So, right. um, so, yes, a very, very diverse faculty. We also have a group of um, country nationals. They are primarily teachers of, uh, of Chinese as uh, as. Right. Uh, as a first or, or second second language, uh, but we also have um, um, uh, Chinese educators uh, teaching in, let's say, counseling positions and other positions across the across the school. Um, however, the majority of our teachers is still from the from the English speaking countries. Right. This year, and how long yeah, in I, normal times? Sorry, right? in normal times, how long do they stay? In normal times, uh, WAB has a very uh, low turnover. So before right. COVID, it was five to ten percent, which is much lower than for most international schools because the average in international schools is twenty to twenty-five percent. Right. Then when COVID uh, COVID hit, and not when COVID hit, but actually now with this extended, you know, COVID zero policy, uh, and looking at the world that has, has moved 
on, you know, and has opened again and so on. Uh, a lot of schools in China have seen about, you know, 40% teacher turnover. What sure. we've seen last year was 20% teacher turnover. So uh, let's say catching up with normal, normal percentages in international schools. What we see this, this year, I think will be again less than 20, 20%. We don't see a lot of educators uh, leaving, well, which is extremely reassuring, you know, that we can stay who we are and, and really uh, have educators, you know, that want to be here, enjoy being here and is, uh, are really focused in, in helping WAB uh, with its, you know, with its strategy and its approaches to teaching and learning. And what do teachers most love about the school? If you were, if I were to grab one of your teachers, uh, you know, at an event or something, what would they say, do you think? Just one thing or, or, or two things? I mean, there's, there's a lot. There's really a lot to love That's about. That's why I said I mean, one or two things, Stephen. Yeah, so the, the community... <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be here for three hours, so, you know. <laughs> and the, I mean, a couple of things. The community is very strong, right? People really looked after each other. You think about the last few years, it was quite tough times, right? And people really looked after each other and, and put the people first. That's one really powerful thing. Um, the other thing is it's a school where you can come to really do the work of trying to innovate in education. You know, you can work together, work with others, try new things, um, whilst also being in a really high class international school. Um, so that that kind of can do spirit, that gong her spirit is quite a powerful thing here at WAB. And the things Marta that, uh, if I was sitting having a beer with somebody, uh, perhaps in February when people are tired or whatever, what would they say they didn't like about the school? You know, I don't know if you know, because if you sit with our teachers on uh, in February, you know, we have a few restaurants really uh, looking at overlooking WAP, WAP campus. And then, you know, on one camp campus, Stephen mentioned, we have a lake. And during winter time, that lake turns into a hockey field, um, I mean, ice hockey field and a skating rink. So, you know, if you had a, a you know, a, a beer with a teacher who has just come from, you know, that hockey rink, they would probably be very enthusiastic about, about everything. Uh, for some maybe that don't like winter, such as, you know, such as me, um, it might mm -hmm. be a bit complaining about very cold weather, uh, weather in Beijing, because in the winter it's cold. But what's beautiful is uh, now that there is no more, basically no more pollution in Beijing, it's, it's, phenomenal what has happened even only since I arrived, Stephen and I arrived in 2018. So most right. of the days is just clear skies. And usually between, you know, uh, September and March, there is almost never rain in Beijing. So you have this beautifully sunny autumn, autumn and winter, uh, which boosts the spirits, but it can get cold. However, I lived in Sweden before and it never gets as cold as, as in Sweden. <laughs> exactly. It's all relative. It's yeah. all relative. But to be very, <laughs> very realistic now, if what if you now talk to, I would say, ev almost every of our teachers today, what is most troubling them is how long the COVID zero policy will continue. Sure, that is the key, the key, the key issue Indeed. for our teachers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think uh, one of the challenges that people can have here is that there is really a lot to web. You know, we are a properly mission-driven school. We're trying to do new things. And so with so many different things happening, um, sometimes people feel like they can't do everything and we don't want people to do everything. And, but with so much going on, sometimes you have that fear of missing out on being able to take part.
uh, in sure. all the other great things that are happening. So it's it's definitely a place where we have uh, a strong community, but high expectations and rightfully right. high expectations that people will, will come here to do their best to work with others and to help us along the journey. Um, but it's and it's also then it can be a place where you might feel new for quite a long time because all the things like like transitioning to any international school, it takes at least a year to kind of get a whole cycle under your belt and really think about how things work. But we we recognize that we remember that and people look after each other well, even beyond that first year. Okay. Learn what kind of teacher this school is looking for. So we know a bit about your school. Um, who are you looking for to join your team? What's your ideal candidate? I would say our ideal candidate is um, someone who really puts students and student learning in the in the center. Um, sure. So you know, all of we we talked a lot actually about you know our guiding statements and so on, but actually they are there to serve the students. So you know, it's uh, and whatever decision we we make is the question is. Is this good for our students? Is this good for their learning? Is this good for for their social emotional well well being? Is this good for you know for their for their future? So we really want the key thing would be to have the educators who are focused on the students who then the but also to have the the educators you know who are really willing to try new things. We we you know in our continuous innovation and when we define innovation, you know we don't think you know, IT innovation, robotics. Yes, that's part of it. But the key thing with our innovation, how we are explaining it to our parents, to our to our teachers, is continuously looking at how things can improve, how student learning and how teaching can, can improve. So we really want those innovative educators that will come, you know, see what we are doing and then come with ideas and say, and, and say you know, well, I would like to try this or that and so on. So they are, and they are not afraid of, of, of kind of trying and, and failing, and the school will for sure support that, that kind of spirit. So these are, let's say, two, you know, passion for student learning and passion for, for innovation and courage to innovate would be the two top things that I would say. Right. I would add that, you know, as a, as a three-program IB World School, people might feel like they can't apply if they don't have the specific experience in the programs. But really more and more, especially in the last few years, what's important is having the right mindset and educational philosophy to match with those. You know, we want to get great people at web. The other types of things we can help with workshops, with training, professional development, you know, anybody can learn the program, but you need to have the right mindset to really bring it to life. And so, you know, if, if you're that type of educator and you're willing to give it a go and then don't be afraid to, to apply and try. Sure. Um, and, yeah. and are there minimum qualifications that you require in order to, to join your team? So legally, there is a two-year experience period. So, you know, you right. cannot get a working visa in China unless you have already worked somewhere for, for at least two years as a, as a teacher. So that's the requirement. And we are not asking for more than that. Even you know, for, the, for the leadership positions, uh, let's say, 
top leadership position in, in the school, what we do put in our brief is at least five years of experience, but it's more like a, like a guideline. We, we really, you know, are looking at, at the person, what that person has done throughout the whole career and so on, and what the person can, sure. uh, can bring. And just to say, when uh, Stephen mentioned, you know, made a bit of a distinction, distinction between the, you know, the competence and the disposition, our hiring process and interviewing process is quite extensive, you know, and it starts with, you know, let's say principals identifying possible candidates and then principals and their teaching teams interviewing the candidates. Uh, and nice. then, you know, in the only second or third interview is, Let's say when, you know, the senior leaders, myself, uh, I come in and my interview with, with, you know, with candidates that have been already recommended by the school sections is more about who they are as people and educators, because, you know, I know they have already been vetted in terms of, you know, their competence and so on. And again, we have extensive professional development support. So if we, if we feel that someone is the right person, but needs a bit of, you know, support in certain areas of, let's say, IB program, we would still employ employ the person uh, okay. and, and support it. Support and is there a, a, a maximum age limit, uh, either from, from China or from the school? A few years back, it has been introduced, so we cannot uh, um, employ people who are older than 60. Okay. 50 just, years of age. Um, and... You know, uh, people who've got uh, uh, a mixed background. You, you've already pointed out that you're you're happy to to see uh, a diverse background um, uh, coming in. Um, uh, are, are those people um, seen as as being real assets in your organisation, or is it uh, seen as as a problem when people are coming in with with uh, perhaps from a, a second career perspective? Although, Marta, you're, you're coming in really uh, with a second career as well. So uh, yeah. perhaps that's irrelevant. So, I, yeah, I would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a typical example of, of, of that, you know. So I've worked sure. now my years together. It's, it's basically I worked for 17 years. Yes, I worked in education, but in a com for 17 years in a completely different context, you know, in a national context, in, in tertiary education, very much in governmental, you know, kind of areas and, and so on. And then have only in terms of international schools, I've been a parent, I've been a board member before coming ahead of school. So I'm an example of first, you know, change of career. I'm also an example of a person who is not a, uh, you can obviously hear, you know, that English is not my my first language. English is my fourth, fourth language, you know. So sure. it's, and there were no issues with that when I was going through the you know, through the hiring uh, process. And it's the same with the, with the other educators. Again, we, we look at people's competences and their dispositions, how, who they are themselves as learners. And if we see that someone has, is trying to switch career and do something that they haven't done before and they really feel passionate and they can show in the interview process that they really know what they would like to do and that they understand the, the processes of learning and so on, we, we hire them. So for us, diversity is, in whatever way you look at it, is an asset. Right. Yeah, we have, quite, we have quite diverse leadership teams as well. You know, in, in, our, in our senior leadership team with eight, there's, I think, five or six nationalities just within that group of eight and different, completely different backgrounds and linguistic backgrounds. 
um, our senior educational leadership team, which is quite a large group, you know, between 17 and 18 people year on year. That's, that's a very diverse group too. And the whole senior educational leadership team has also been through recruitment and implicit bias training too, as we try to make sure that we're really seeing candidates for who they are and what they can bring. Um, you know, so yeah, there's, there's the visa restrictions, but then there's also the, the, the side of us, which is really trying to make sure that we have a truly international school as, as well as we can do in this. Learn more about this school's contract. Let's talk a little bit about the contract. Uh, the initial contract, how long is it? Um, uh, how are extensions handled? Uh, those kind of things. So uh, the initial contract is always two years. And uh, in terms of how extensions are handled, uh, so, you know, if we feel that the person is really WAB fit and if that person feels that WAB is the school for them, it's then it gets uh, renewed for other another two years and another two years and so on. At, at the beginning of or in the middle of our conversation, I mentioned that WAB used to have five to 10% teacher turnover, which tells sure. you for how long teachers stay and, you know, and their contract gets continue being um, renewed. So it's, it's really the moments when we get into the conversation about not uh, renewing the contract is when really something is not functioning either on the, you know, people side or teaching and learning side. But because we are so rigorous in the process of interviewing uh, teachers and, you know, and deciding who will join us, those kind of conversations are very, very rare. Right. And, and the yeah. um, employment uh, contract, is it ex uh, conditional on an external authority? Um, uh, in the Middle East, for example, uh, you have to go in, in, in UAE, you have to go and get uh, uh, approval from uh, a government body before you can recruit. Is that the case uh, with you? Uh, People need to be eligible for the uh, to get the visa to come to to China and get the work work permit. And there are you know so yes, the government is the one who who gives the you know the work permits and so on. But once the once the person is uh, in uh, in uh, in China already employed uh, employed at WAP, and we mentioned before you know the in terms of getting the work permit is um, primarily it's. Uh, it's two years of, of teaching experience. Sure. And then in terms of elementary school is, uh, you know, uh, whether you are from the English speaking country or, or not. So these are kind of like the two key key things. Once you are already here, um, it's not any more influenced by the, by the okay. government unless you reach uh, age 60. All right, understood, understood. And the working and, hours at the school, um, what, are they, uh, what do they look like, uh, at least formally? Uh, maybe there's two questions there. Yeah. So form, formally it is, you know, kind of, I would say, uh, 8 to uh, eight to uh, 4.30 or 5, depending on, on the days. But we, we do not clock people, you know. So if, uh, if someone sure. is, uh, um, if someone has needs to leave earlier or works better from home and at the same time that person is not required to be in school to support the, the, the students or has some, some meetings, you know, people, people are pretty free to how to they organize their, their time. Uh, right. So it's, it's quite flexible, but, you know, with a very clear 
understanding that you need to be here to support the students and you need to be here to collaborate with his colleagues so that you can support students as, as a team. And in terms of contact hours, what, how does that manifest itself across the school? In the, in the middle and high school, we have, um, an eight, we have a eight block rotation to cover all the subjects. Okay. Um, and the, the eight blocks are actually kind of four in one day, four in the next day and an AB type rotation over sure. eight days. And then there's a, then there's actually a ninth day where kids build their own schedules. Um, in that eight blocks, middle and high school teachers are typically scheduled for five out of eight blocks and the rest is collaborative planning time or preparation time. Um, as much as possible, that collaborative planning time is is scheduled so that the whole teaching team can be together in their off blocks. Um, they also right. have a mentor group, which they meet um, every single day as well for about 40 minutes. Um, and then on top of that, there might be department meetings once every couple of weeks. Uh, there's a faculty meeting every Wednesday after school. Um, and then people do get quite engaged in ASAs, uh, sports coaching and things like that. But the overall okay, teaching in the, load in is, the elementary school. What does yeah, it look like for? What does it look like for uh, uh, teachers of uh, the younger children? Depends on on what they're teaching. But we have our specialist teachers who see their learning communities, and they they would get to see all of the grades coming through. So they're they're pretty busy through the days, um, and then the teaching teams, the grade level mentor homeroom teams. Um, they take the whole group together in the mornings and then when the students move to the specialists, that's when they have collaborative planning time too. So it's, um, it's not a particularly heavy teaching load at web, um, but it's, it's pretty average compared to other international schools. Okay. Um, I think it's probably relatively light compared to national school systems. And how does it differ across the school? Uh, the kindergarten teachers, uh, early years teachers, are they uh, expected to um, be be um, delivering more than than a high school physics teacher? And in your block system, how does that uh, add up? I mean, really, I mean, the the year itself evens out in different ways, right? There are times which are super intense for your high school, like your diploma program examination class teachers might have really intense times. You know, the early years teachers have half days for part of the beginning of the year with this, but, but nobody's not doing anything. I think it's a, it's um it, that's the kind of question where you don't want to sow divisions across school sections because everybody's working hard to serve the kids that are around them. Um, so, you know, when you balance out all the different requirements and needs of supporting all of our learners all the way, everybody's busy, um, but everybody's <laughs> kind of working together. Marta. Yeah, I just wanted to add, you know, we, so Stephen also mentioned before, we uh, really try to function as, as one school, you know, meaning that, um, that actually our educators and our leadership team, we really talk to each other. So let's say um, when um, these kind of questions, you know, is it equitable, you know, the teacher, teachers, um, you know, in elementary school, middle school and high school, uh, you know, uh, do the, do we have the same rules or, or you know burdens for for them and uh, and we consciously discuss it let's say at the at senior leadership team and we really try to develop that understanding first of all we had uh, un, uh, we 
align everything that can be aligned. But, you know, the daily work you know, of an elementary school teacher and high school, let's say, diploma teachers are very, are very different. So we Completely. really try also to develop that understanding among our teacher, teacher body that is we, that we try to be uh, equal, in, uh, equal in everything, uh, you know, that we, we do. But, you know, it's more about equity than equality. You know? So it, it, it looks different for different school, school sections. And awesome. Learn more about the recruiting schedule and onboarding process. So tell us a bit about what's included in the package uh, for teachers at your school. So what's, uh, what's included in the package is first very, very competitive salary world, worldwide. China is one of the um, countries in the world that sell salaries are among the, the highest for teachers, right. for international education. Uh, then uh, on top of on top of that is the uh, older relocation allowances uh, for coming into the country and then uh, leaving afterwards. It's once a year trip back back home. Uh, it's um, it's housing allowance. Uh, we call it you know housing, health, and uh, other. That's kind of the title we have for for that part of the of the package and okay. you know when we are thinking about the housing allowance we want our teachers to to live in nice decent houses or apartments depending on on what they choose whether they want to uh, to live somewhere in the city center or closer to the school which is mostly like family houses and so on so um so the housing allowance is of that size that you can find a nice place to to live and at the same time, save. And other right. allowances also, you know, contribute uh, contribute to that. As a part of a package, is completely free education for up to two dependents, up to two right. children. Um, the new thing that will come to China is that actually um, the housing and schooling will become taxable. It used right. not, not to be, but the school has decided and all major international schools in China have decided to take that as, as our own burden, employee, uh, em sorry, employer burden and not employee right. burden. So the school would be then covering also, also that. Um, what else? As what, a, is as tax rate, uh, what is the tax rate in, um, in China? How does so that work? In a way, uh, it's uh, well. It depends again, you know, where you in the taxation grid you, of course. you are. But but the school school takes um, takes care of the taxes. So when we you know when we we have developed a, a quite an elaborate let's say uh, taxation grid that we actually show to the teachers as a part of their signing the contract or deciding to sign the contract. Then we we lead them through you know all the different taxation rules in China. So that they understand it, they understand, you know, what will be, uh, you know, what is the implication between their gross and net uh, net salary, and then the school is the one that is uh, support uh, that actually pays the taxes for, like physically, you know, does the process of tax paying and so on, so that the mm -hmm. teachers don't need to bother Understood. with that part of the, of, you know, like bu bureaucratic part of the of the process. So it sounds like there's a relatively high savings potential then. There is there is a high savings uh, potential definitely, um, and you know we 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 uh, keep mentioning COVID because it's it's reality here and 
and that will go away one uh, one day for sure. But you know, last year, for example, I was I asked because we were primarily hiring from within China, uh, but also from outside of China. And then you know, both from the candidates within China and candidates from outside of China. When I was asking them, you know, so what is the motivation to to come to to Wab and so on? So the the primary answer was because of the type of school we are, and then the secondary answer was uh, because we can also also save save a substantial amount. Right, and, you indeed. know, and especially for the young teachers, but also teachers with, with families, you know, they have fantastic education for, for the children and at the same at the same time, really, really good savings. So right, we can yeah, see that's... that a lot of our teachers basically transfer transfer funds, uh, fund, substantial funds wherever they want to transfer them outside of China. Indeed. And there's a, another part of this uh, picture, which is professional growth, isn't it? You know, growing as a professional, and I, I guess that's really important for you, uh, Stephen. Yeah, so we we have um, we have a lot of professional development and professional growth offerings here. You know, when we have a teacher appraisal model, um, and that the the sectional principles work through first year teachers with that when they come, which is our kind of teaching teaching standards and expectations, and help people kind of grow towards them. Um, but that appraisal model is much more like a coachy type model than it is a, an inspectorial model. Um, so we're all about supporting and nurturing growth here at Web. Uh, we also have um, the teacher growth model that is really inquiry focused. You know, we, we know through all this hiring and everything that we're doing that we're hiring people who are really wanting to do the best they can. And so we trust right. them to do that. And we trust that people work together with their teams and we support teams in their development. Uh, so when it comes to professional growth planning, it's really thinking about what will have the best impact on the students, for the school and for the professional. Um, the PD funding works here. There's a, there's a small amount of PD that's very simple, discretionary, personal PD allowance where people just fill in a quick application and the coordinators approve it. We also have quite a, um, a substantial professional development budget, which people can apply for extra funding into. So people might use that for workshops or for contributions towards maybe master's study or things like that. As long as it's relevant to the work at web, it's reasonably uh, straightforward to, to fund that. Um, we also have a very strong network of professional development offering. So, you know, we have, you know, we're an IB school, so we can offer things from them. Uh, we're the ECIS hub for Asia. Um, so we also kind of host and, and help support that hub learning in terms of middle leadership or for us learning leaders development. Um, all the other agencies that we're connected to, you know, there's this PD available to them. Um, and then one of the things that's really happened in the last couple of years is actually increased engagement in PD. So, you know, at the beginning, everybody's learning how to teach and learn online. Then there was a bit of a fatigue in the middle, but now lots of organizations have, and consultants and so on have changed their models to be, you know, give us these options where we can connect. So we have a lot of engagement with people zooming in, Skyping in, uh, teamsing in to work with our groups. So, you know, we do find then if a team needs to talk to somebody who's an expert, it's, it's usually pretty doable for us to arrange that for them. Um, sure. So we're very, very fortunate with our professional growth provisions. Yeah. Okay. Find out how to get a job at this teacher amazing school.
when do you normally start searching for new teachers? So I would say before before COVID times, we would do what most schools in uh, in uh, this part of the world would do. Asia, Asia is one one of the areas in the world where recruitment starts quite quite early. Let's say when compared to Europe, where the bulk is happening in actually in the springtime, winter, spring. Oh. Here we start immediately, almost immediately as when the school uh, starts. So it used to be um, October, November, uh, December, January were before COVID were our key months for, for recruiting. January already being uh, very, very late. Uh, after COVID happened and, you know, and after we started feeling uh, that it might be more difficult to recruit the types of educators that we would like to recruit in China and so on, we, we moved our recruitment uh, schedule to earlier, earlier times and we started organizing our own recruitment fair. So basically right. last year we organized the recruitment fair in uh, in September and we had a huge turnout of educators and most of the people that we hired came actually from our own recruitment fair. Then Understood. this year, because we thought maybe it might be even more challenging and we also wanted, we are back also to recruiting from abroad and from within from within China, both schools. We actually opened the applications for our recruitment fair already in June. So in June of 2022, we we put up, you know, our, we set up our recruitment webpage and, and so on. And then we had our recruitment fair mid-September. And again, it, the turnout was really, really good. And right right now we are uh, more or less continuing the with the interviews of the people who were part of that recruitment fair. And we hope that we will actually finalize our recruitment recruitment by December. That's our that's our hope. If there are no, you know, big surprises, I would also like to to say that um, we had um, this year uh, five leadership positions that we wanted to recruit for. One was for from senior leadership team. So out of we we also have pretty stable leadership team. So out of eight members of the senior leadership team, one was leaving after being here for ten for ten years. Uh, right. And uh, their kids graduating, so it was kind of a natural natural time to leave. Uh, and we um, we managed to recruit uh, for that leadership position, for example, externally. Other four leadership positions, which were part of the senior leadership team, this big group of, that Stephen mentioned of about 18, 18 people. We also hired many, already hired everyone for that, that team. And uh, I would like to stress that out of uh, these four positions, uh, two were our internal hires, two right. or three. Uh, were our internal hires, which um, which also going back to the previous uh, part of the conversation about professional development, we really invest a lot into into succession planning and into um, upskilling and giving opportunities our, uh, to our educators to to learn and develop at at WAP, so that either at WAP or in some other school they might take a next a next step with this, you know upwards or sideways, but also we have the opportunity to do something something else uh, in addition to what uh, what they are doing right now because we truly believe you know that learning new new things and you know doing new things is really reinvigorating for the educators for it everyone certainly but, is. Yeah. okay so we're recruited we i got the job i'm celebrating uh, uh whatever um uh i turn up in uh beijing what do i experience from there until the first day of school it begins before you show up actually so in um like in this let's say if you're hired for this for this coming school year 
the the onboarding would begin around about May, maybe right. um, where with the the people are plugged into the various systems that we have. You know, we have onboarding technology um, uh, courses through Microsoft Teams um, and materials that we post and send to the new employees as we go. And so as those newbies join the, the team and start to connect into the group as they're hired and confirmed as having their accounts, it already begins at that point. Um, we don't have an expectation before somebody's finished their old job that they do sure. any work at all for web, but some people just like to be able to see what's available for them. And as they work through various um, modules for onboarding, then they get kind of added into more things. Um, in a typical year, everybody would arrive at the same time, but that's that's not the way things are working right now. And then last year, when we had such a big group from across China, you know, we had a lot of a different way of, of framing um, new new employee orientation time um, where they were already quite China competent, China savvy, you know, but we still have to do things like bank accounts for the new teachers and so on. So then, um, there is a new employee orientation week that happens just before our faculty come. And, uh, in, as part of that, people get the life logistics sorted out. The school takes care of all of that with them, which is a pretty big deal. If you're coming to China and it is. you can't read Chinese and you do all of those, right? So it does mean standing in a couple of queues, but it's much better than standing in queues all by yourself in a place where you can't speak the language, right? Completely. Um, we also have sessions about, then we have a, an employee orientation schedule that includes well-being sessions, uh, community building sessions, learning about the school, learning about why we do what we do, like really diving a bit deeper than in the, in the interview processes, um, getting to grips with the technological platforms, um, then hearing from our functional teams too, the people who support the way the school runs, things like finance, HR, things, learning about how to use your health insurance um, and all those types of things are taken care sure. of. So that that begins, it's quite intensive. There's also social events in there too, dinners, people meeting up with buddies um, who've been assigned to them in similar types. Well, they have families. fun as well. It's, it's pretty yeah. fun. And then, and then something that's been, <laughs> something that's been enhanced you this year. Steven. Yeah. Something that's been enhanced this year too, is the, is the China global coherence as part of our core values has always been there, but our China studies department are doing a great job of Chinese language and culture workshops through that week. And that kind of dual purpose of helping people feel comfortable within the China context and using language but also doing something together that's kind of a bonding experience. Um, so it's on. And, you know, last week, actually, last Friday, we had a wrap-up session with this year's batch of newbies. Um, so it's now, like, we're talking to you on October 13th. And so they've been with us really for two months from their arrival. Right. And the feedback that they were giving was really quite positive and supportive. And they felt like this was the right place for them. There's a lot going on, but they're ready to go. Okay, stop. So what other schools would you recommend? So you guys have convinced me uh, this is my dream school. I, I, I really, really, really want to join you. Um, what's the best way of getting a job with you at WAP? Well, I, I think the best right now, uh, the best thing is to look actually uh, 
at what is being posted on our website. Uh, we, we used to rely heavily on uh, recruitment agencies. Search associates, probably the associates are probably the ones that we used, uh, used most and their candidates and going to their fairs and, and so on. Also, there is GRC. Uh, we are part of GRC, Global Recruitment uh, Collaborative, and um, educators apply to us uh, from, from there. Uh, but really looking at, you know, uh, at the openings that are on our uh, website, our our kind of recruitment is becoming more and more, you know, whole year recruitment. And then really being focused in the springtime already and see whether we will have another, you know, recruitment fair and whether our recruitment fair, you know, kind of website will be up already uh, early in June, July and applying through through there. So, you know, we oh. don't have a, you don't make a distinction between the candidates who apply through these different kind of uh, systems. We have, you know, they all go into the into the same same pool, and then it's, you know, showing us that you have what we need, in a way. Okay. But I would Great. say, you know, and just to, just to add, you know, what one of the first things that we want to see in the interview is how all, how much they already know about about web. Do you do sure. they really know, uh, you know, who we are and why they want to be here? Indeed, indeed, and uh, this is. Uh... Probably one of the more interesting parts of the of the podcast for me. If you were to recommend uh, another school or two other schools, uh, say I can't get a job with you, Marta. Um, which other schools would you recommend? And same for you, Stephen. If you can think of a couple of schools, that would be great. Who would like to go first? Anywhere in the world. Ah, silence. Outside Anywhere of your school, in... say I can't get a job with you, um, and I was chatting with you, Stephen. Where else would you recommend that I apply? While Stephen is thinking, maybe I can I can uh, jump that in. That would be great. Uh, you know we. We are very proud about the things that we are we are doing here, and we think we are doing some fantastic things. At the same time, we we just want to be don't want to be you know completely self absorbed and thinking that we are the only ones who who do the the right thing. So we Completely. what we have been trying to do throughout the years is and more and more uh, reach reach out to other. Mm -hmm schools in the world and you know find out what they are they are doing and you know before covid we were even doing you know some physical you know we would go to a certain school and just you know talk to the educators there to the leaders there and see you know what their spaces look like and so on nowadays we have to primarily rely on the on, on the online version version of that but we continue doing that we we continue connecting with other schools so for example in 2019 we had a a, a global conference on our mm -hmm. campus November of uh, uh, titled Future of Education Now. And the brief for, so who, who was presenting at those conferences were the schools who were already doing innovative things in, in their settings. And we invited all of these schools because we really wanted to learn from each other. So part of our kind of, you know, mission is, you know, when we talk about connect, inspire, challenge, make a difference, it's actually also about educators and schools connecting, challenging each, each other, inspiring each, uh, each other, and then making a difference in the world of education. So throughout, and then we continue doing this Future of Education Now and Next Conference is online in 2021, every second year. 
2021 in, in cooperation with uh, AIE, Association for Advancement of International Education. 23 probably will also be a smaller version with them and hopefully in 25 on our campus again. And as a part of that process, we've come across so many phenomenal schools. Uh, some schools are, you know, innovative throughout. Some schools are innovative in some, in some areas. Uh, but, you know, when we discuss with them, we just feel, well, that is also a phenomenal school to, to work, work at. And I, I'm not sure whether I should be kind of, you know, pointing out any, uh, any school, uh, but I would say all of these schools that engage with us, they have something, you know, that, and Marta, Marta, yeah. Marta, I can see that you've worked in politics. It was a wonderful <laughs> answer, but in the end, I didn't get what I wanted. I leave that to Stephen. <laughs> okay, Stephen, you're the one. You, I'm going to nail you down. There's less okay, politics so, there. Come on. I mean, I was thinking through <laughs> the same process as Marta before, right? Like this, just fantastic schools. I think find the fit for the candidate is the most important thing. We talk about web fit here and finding the schools. I think right, some really. Right, Stephen, but if, I think if, your, schools, if your friend was talking to you, right? Yeah. Let's imagine a mate of yours was talking to you, and, uh, and 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 there wasn't the prospect of getting a job at work. You know, where would you where would you say you wouldn't sit there and say oh, it's a perfect fit? Uh, come on, I'm going to nail you down. I think some great things happening in schools like um, International School in Helsinki. Um, really innovative work there. Real good focus on and um, DEIJ as well. Uh, right. really strong leadership yeah. really great people there are lots of schools i don't want to exclude any other schools the international, the international they've really been leading the way in in deij work as well um there's other schools really pushing ahead on things like sustainability and, and innovation so i would say to my friend what are you interested in and then let's have a chat fantastic and yeah, and just you know, to to be fair to you, then uh, it's you know because you are pressing us for this <laughs> for this answer. Um, I mean, Yokohama International School. Let's say that's the school that quite often you know we are in contact and they are you know we are reaching to each other about some some uh, things. International schools of International School of Kuala Lumpur. It's it's really there are there are a lot of schools, and I really want to say you know what we we named a few, but there are so many many more, and it is about the fit, the right fit. Wonderful. Okay. So I'd like to say thank you to both so much. Uh, what a wonderful uh, window into your world you've provided us today. Um, I've really enjoyed meeting you both. Okay. And there's a lot to think about. Um, so uh, thank you very much, both of you. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. Uh, and thank you, Martha. Thank you very much to invi for inviting uh, us into this podcast. No, it's great. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this visit to this Teach Amazing School. Subscribe to the Teach Amazing podcast and join us on our journey exploring amazing schools around the world.